everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Now for this week's talk. So Bob and Marilyn Palumbo planted this vineyard church in King of Prussia 25-ish, 30, 30 years ago. I guess I've been here for five, and my math isn't very good. Bob and Marilyn Palumbo planted this vineyard church 30 years ago. And uh, my wife, Allison, and I uh, came about five years ago and couldn't have been more graciously received or supported by the Palumbos. And so I just, with great gratitude and love, want to invite up Bob to share with us this morning. Well, thank you for that. 30 years ago, I was 12. <laughs> so good to be here. It's been a, quite a while. So I've um, brought a couple paintings, as you can see over here. Um, it's funny, it's first day of spring, and these are both set in autumn. So um, one of them is still wet. I just did a couple of things on it yesterday, so there's a caution, wet paint. But you're not supposed to touch paintings anyway, so I'll just <laughs> tell you that right now. Uh, Amos had asked me a little while back to uh, share a message within the context of creation and creativity, and he said, why don't you bring some of your art and kind of weave your art into it. And uh, there are many areas of creativity. We've had other messages about creativity, and people have pointed out that it's just not art, but for me, it's art. So I, I love art, and I love paintings. So um, these are here to kind of, this is a barn right down the street, about a mile and a half. I don't know if you've ever gone down 401. You look to your right. And that's a little pond where Marilyn and I will walk. It's it's not quite a mile, but we, we do about two, uh, not two hours, we do about two miles around that pond. So we're going to look at um, how God created us in the beginning to partner with him and to reach the world with his purpose of drawing people to himself. And even more specifically, how he offers us through Jesus Christ new creation life, so we can be those kind of people who through our lives and through what we do and how we carry ourselves uh, attract people to Jesus Christ. So I brought these paintings uh, not to show off my artwork. Yeah, I am, but anyway. But, bec <laughs> but because uh, I'm going to use my love of art and my passion for painting to illustrate God's offer to us of new creation. Uh, when I started to intentionally paint in oils back in 1994, I, I taught myself by copying Monet. He is my favorite impressionist. Uh, his paintings are masterpieces. Some go in auction for over $100 million a piece. And these are quite less expensive, by the way. So... <laughs> I figured, you know, I like Monet's style. I love the way he paints. I love what I receive by looking at one of his paintings. So if I'm going to teach myself, I might as well copy Monet 
And uh, one of the things that classic painters would do is they would copy the works of artists before them to learn the craft. So that it's, it's highly recommended that you do that, um, but not forever. I have a story about uh, our dear friend Elizabeth Baxter, who has taught art in a, the Downingtown school system for years. And Elizabeth would come over to our house back in the uh, 90s, and she would see all of my Monet copies hanging on our, uh, the walls of our home. And I would say to her, well, here's my, my latest. And she would say, oh, that's nice. Goes, Have you ever thought about painting something original? And, and I said, I want to know what to paint. And she said, paint an apple. I said, everybody's painted an apple. She goes, you haven't? <laughs> so, so that was good advice because I have been painting originals ever since. And uh, so today, to kick off this whole idea about God creating us to join him, to partner with him in his purpose to bring the world to himself and, and combat you know, evil and bring people the good of, of God's presence and God's love, we're going to watch a um, Bible project video. So God chooses to elevate the uh, weak and the powerless so he could change the world through them. And what God is searching for is he's searching for people who will be humble and willing to receive from him so he can give to them new life through Jesus and live out this new life in the world. I've often heard people share their stories about when they first came to Jesus and they opened their lives for him to come in. And usually they were at a place of brokenness. They were a place of weakness. It was out of their heartbreak. It was out of, the, out of their pain. Out of looking for something to fill the void they felt in their lives and they were trying to fill with so many other things. When I opened myself to Jesus, um, externally my life looked like it was in pretty good shape. It was pretty together. But internally, I was empty. My soul was blank, like a blank canvas. I needed God's brush to paint new life in me. The good news is that Jesus starts out with these blank canvases and does a new work in them. And often when we come to that place of humbly accepting Jesus into our lives, we are aware that there is something missing. There is a hole. There is a void that nothing has been able to satisfy. Whether we try to satisfy it through a relationship um, through our bank account, through clothes, through food, through drink, our habits, good and bad, nothing fulfills us like Jesus. So God will take that blank canvas that we are and he creates something new. Uh, we look at that blank canvas of our lives and we often have not a clue about what it is that we need. Uh, one of the most humbling things as an artist is to face a blank canvas. And it's not only humbling, it's intimidating. The most intimidating thing in the world is a blank canvas, said every artist always. I don't know if there's other artists here, but that's when I see a blank canvas, it's like, ugh. I have an idea where I want to go, but I have no idea how to get there. As an artist, I've found the creative process can be very intimidating. And I have read biographies of Monet and Renoir and Van Gogh. You've heard of those guys? Okay. And you find that they were often intimidated by the craft of painting, trying to capture something beautiful on a blank canvas. But then afterwards, 
you find out that they often thought their work was lousy, it was subpar. Claude Monet was in a constant battle with nature and his palette as he attempted to capture the beauty of light and put it on his canvas, what he observed, and make that something real on his canvas. And he wrote a lot of letters to families and friends. I found this one here. He said he wrote he was appalled by the colors he had to use. He wasn't happy with the paint, being able to capture what he saw. And that light was simply terrifying. He had taken upon himself the task to capture the instantaneity of light on canvas. And part of the terror was his belief that he wouldn't be able to pull it off. Can you imagine Claude Monet not being able to believe he could pull it off? Have you ever felt that you weren't going to be able to pull off life? Had a time where it's like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I mean, we say things like, I mean, how, I remember Marilyn tells a story, she shares it very often, I'm sure she wouldn't mind, but she came to a place, she was raised in the church, and she came to a place where we had two young daughters, and she did not know how to be a mom. And she goes, I need Jesus, I, I need something in my life. So she went to, to church, and we hadn't been going for a while, and that day she turned over her life, and Jesus made a big difference in her, and our kids were able to grow up. <laughs> So, but we feel like, you know, we look at the canvas that we are and we feel very inadequate. Why is that? Because we fail a lot. We fail a lot. Vincent van Gogh produced more than 900 paintings over a 10-year period of his life. Do you know how many paintings he sold? One. He sold one painting. A van Gogh... Uh, once painted a landscape, and he felt it was so poorly done, except for a very small area on the canvas, no, no bigger than 13 inches high. And, and this was a sketch that he made of that painting and how he was going to, to uh, attempt to paint this, this uh, landscape. And he said in a letter that he overworked the scene so much, he decided it just was, was not good, and he cut out a fragment that he felt was okay, and he just destroyed the canvas. Um, it was estimated that that fragment of painting was going to be auctioned at, uh, for $13 million. Can you imagine? But Jesus takes the blank canvas that is our lives and creates something new so we can partner with him in the world and through our lives, though they may be broken and hurting and blank, though life may be intimidating, God is not intimidated about working with us. He does a pretty good job. We're going to look at a passage in Ephesians to see what God says about this new creation life that he offers to us. God takes our lives and creates something new so we can partner with him in the world. But before we look at Ephesians, I shot a video on my phone I've only done this, this is the first time I did it, and I haven't done it since. But it's a video I made of the painting on the far right. And that took me about two and a half hours to paint. So sit back, we've got some popcorn, you can watch this. And that. But what I did is was I, I, I time-lapsed it down to just over a minute. So we'll take a look at this. Stupid. 
I've actually painted some of my best work wearing that outfit, tell you the truth. <laughs> so anyway, so Jesus takes this blank canvas, which is intimidating to us. Our life is often intimidated, intimidating. Failure is intimidating. Who we are physically, who we are mentally, who we are spiritually is often intimidating, but it's not intimidating to God. He makes us new through Jesus, and he purpose, purposes to partner with us in the world. Are you catching that? He makes us new in order to partner with us to reach the world. How do we enter into this partnership with God? How do we receive and embrace this new creation life he calls us to? Because this is what he purposed from the beginning, from the beginning of creation. But something happened along the way, right? Something happened. We turned away from the purpose God had for us, but he found a way to make everything new. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. And if you have one of our Bibles, um, we're going to be unpacking this phrase by phrase. So if you can get a Bible in the back, if you would like to uh, look at one. Uh, it's on page 1228. And this is the New Living Testament version where looking at. Let's read it through. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So let's look at this in detail. Verse 8, God saved you by his grace when you believed. Grace means it's God's kindness towards us that saves us from what happened when his creation turned away from the original purposes he had for us. What happened? Sin entered the world. And sin is what causes brokenness in our lives. You know, sin breaks our soul. Sin breaks our soul. It breaks relationships. Sin causes us to seek other things to take the place only God should have in our lives. And so we need to be rescued. We need to be saved from our sin. We need, to take, we need for God to take these dead lives and raise them up again to new life. That's why Jesus came. So it's God's kindness that saves us. Let's look at uh, the two verses before verse 8 to see uh, a further explanation. It says in verse 6, For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. So God saved you by his grace, by his kindness. When did he save you? Well, the verse says, when you believed. And that should best be read when you trusted. Trust is a better word. 
Because lots of times we believe Jesus is real. We believe Jesus is the Son of God. We believe he died for our sins, but a lot of the belief is from our heads. But belief turns into salvation when salvation is embraced from in here, from deep within who we are. We often say in, within our hearts. Trust is what drops belief, head knowledge, down into our heart. And we wrap our hearts around Jesus and his offer of eternal life. We know that only God can accomplish salvation in us. We acknowledge we can never save ourselves. Only God can paint on the blank canvas of our lives and create something new. Paul makes that clear in the second part of verse 8. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. So it says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. There's a little word in that phrase in the Greek. The word is ex. It means out of, like in exit. How many have been, ever been on the highway with all the crazy drivers? And they're weaving in and out, and they're speeding past you, and they're tailgating you, and you can't wait for your exit because you want to get out of there. That's what X means. Salvation, God's love and favor, is not out of X ourselves. It is a gift from God. Verse 9, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. So again, salvation is not something we receive X out of our good deeds. We cannot do anything. We can't merit earn or achieve God's favor by our good works. God's salvation is from God. Anything we do out of ourselves is never good enough if we're trying to find a relationship with God. You know why? Because anything out of us is always going to be smeared with our sin. Anyone here perfect Anyone aware you've got sin in your life? Any good we do, good deed, good work, is tainted with a little bit of vanity, pride, boasting, impure motives. That doesn't mean that you go around and be skeptical of people's motives. The only reason Bob's speaking today is to show off his art. (laughs) That's not true. Amos made me do it. It's a little creation story there. But it's just a reality. A good deed out of ourselves to please and command the favor of a holy God is smeared with our sin. One of the things I've done a few times is I've gone out to Valley Forge Park and paid in in plain air, which means simply in French, outside. (laughs) And as opposed to painting in your studio where things are a lot more controlled and comfortable. Um, it's not easy. The light is always changing. You don't have the convenience of your studio. You've got to lug your canvases out there and your easel and your paints and the rest of it. There, there's bugs. It gets hot. It gets cold. Well, I, I joined a few times a, a group of other artists in the area, and we would have Saturday morning uh, paint experiences out in uh, Valley Forge Park. And there's an an artist in Malvern named Randall Graham, and I've taken a few lessons from him. And he 
host with the park rangers these painting excursions. And Random would sometimes paint with us, but what he did mostly was kind of walk around and check out what, other, what you were doing, and he would offer, you know, encouragement and tips. Well, this was the only, the only the third time I painted in plain air. And previous times, things turned out okay. Um, I wasn't, I'm just not comfortable yet painting outside. And so this painting I was doing was not going well at all. Um, I started layering the paint on too thickly. It became almost like mud. And uh, you know when you put a, a color yellow and a color blue together, they can vibrate and cause really cool things to happen on the canvas. You start mixing those with maybe some red from over here and some other color, and it, you're smearing it around, and it just was not looking well at all. It gets gray or brown or messy. And here I am struggling along, and I feel this presence over my left shoulder. It's Randall, and he looks at the canvas, he goes, you got mud, Bob. That <laughs> <laughs> up there? Did you show that painting? Yeah. Randall's tips aren't always encouraging, but anyway. <laughs> but he was right. I had a smeared mess. So what did I do? I tossed this painting. I tossed it. Sometimes when I, a painting's not doing too well, I'll paint over it. But this one, I was, it was such a smeared mess, I just tossed it. I, I think I was, I, was, I was angry, I was frustrated. I was irritated with, with myself for doing such a, such a mess. But don't judge me because I've read Claude Monet probably destroyed about over 100 of his paintings because he felt like they were uh, unworthy. And he would rip them up and it talks about he put his foot through a few. So in a way, I'm still copying Monet. Yeah. <laughs> but any good deed that we do, good work, good action, to gain God's favor towards us, to say, you know, you must love me a lot more because I did this, is smeared with our sin. It's a smudged mess. It's kind of like Paul says in Philippians 3 about, he's, he's speaking in that chapter about his credentials, that he was a VIP in the uh, Jewish faith, and he was a Pharisee, and he was, you know, obeyed the law perfectly, and he even went out and killed Christians. He had all these wonderful things that he could look, look to God and say, now, you see what I'm doing for, for God? And he talks about all those things that were out of himself to find favor with God. And he says this in Philippians 3.8, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ. Garbage is the second meaning of that word in the Greek. You want to know what the first meaning is? You know how you look at a dictionary and there's like the first definition and the second definition? Let's say number one's meaning is number two. Paul always went for the shock factor sometimes. Works we do out of us are tainted with sin. But when we humbly come to God and receive from him his gift of eternal life, he turns us into a work of art. Do you realize that you're a work of art? 
and say, yeah, all the time. People look at me and say, you know, you're a real work of art. <laughs> Not that kind of work of art. Let's see what kind of work of art we are in God's eyes through Christ. Verse 8 again, God saved you by his grace when you believed, when you trusted. You can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. See, we are so much more than a, a painting or even a work of art in God's eyes. We are his masterpiece. We are God's poema. We get our word poem from that Greek word, but it also means masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece, and there's nothing that compares with the real deal. Our good efforts, our good intentions, even our good character can't gain what only God can do for us through Jesus' death and resurrection. You see why Paul communicates it so strongly and nastily when we try to put anything in the place of God's Son on the cross to gain God's favor? It's garbage. It's garbage. God created us, and then he recreates us through Jesus into those masterpieces. Here is the first oil painting I painted back in 1994. It's a copy of Monet, surprise, I just love this painting. It's called Sunflowers in a Vase. That's pretty good. Not bad for my first attempt. Here is the masterpiece. That's the masterpiece my painting was based on. That's the real deal. You see this painting at the uh, Museum of Art in New York? It's huge. When I first saw it, I sat there. I stood there, and, oh, literally. <laughs> because, and then there was another painting right, right next to it of his chrysanthemums, which I also copied. And that is huge. We are God's masterpiece. We are the real deal through Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't die to make us pretty good or not so bad. He died to make us new. Verse 10 again. For we are God's masterpieces. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So, so we can take this free gift of new life that he gives us and put it in a box, wrap it with pretty paper, tie a nice ribbon around it and a bow and put it on a shelf. No, gifts are never meant to be put on a shelf, but are meant to be opened and received and shared. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So, we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And right there is the result of new creation life. And the result is new creation living. New creation living. That phrase, do the good things, we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. It's literally, we can walk around in. We can walk around in all these good things that God planned for us a long, long time ago. We walk around as in it's now our lifestyle to express appreciation and adoration 
and thanksgiving to God for what he's done for us and given to us freely through Jesus. And he leads us in these different things that we can do to express that love and to partner with him to draw people towards him. You know how Amos talks about that open set and it's the cross in the middle and there's people all over and some are going away and some are coming close. We are his masterpieces created in Jesus Christ, created anew to be people in the world who help people going away come closer. Doing good and doing good works as a lifestyle. Not in order to save ourselves. They are good works he planned for us long ago. Loving like Jesus. Walking in kindness. Serving. Contributing rather than consuming. In 2 Corinthians 5, verses 17 and 18, Paul says this. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task, this job, this work of reconciling people to him. So the starting point of living a new creation life and partnering with God in this world is not our good deeds. Works were never the starting point. Any good out of us is not where we begin. It's God's grace, God's kindness is where we begin and receiving this this gift of salvation. We trust him to save us. We open ourselves to the gift of salvation and God creates us anew and we become his masterpieces, living out this new creation life in the world. He wants to reveal his mercy, his love, his his goodness in tangible, creative ways through his new creation. You know, God offers us so much through this gift of salvation Jesus brought to us. And it's offered to us when we just receive it. Think of that time-lapse video I showed earlier. Pretend I'm God in that video. Don't pretend I'm God any other time. You'll be very disappointed. But here is God wanting to create something new. You are that blank canvas. What are you going to do? you're going to open yourselves up to God's work upon you. Just receiving. You're a masterpiece in progress, and all you have to do is receive from him. Why is it so hard for people to receive this amazing gift? I found that through my my 35 years of ministry, some people just, you, you pray for them and they just won't hear and receive and it's heartbreaking. Why is it so hard? Some people are afraid if they receive this, they're going to get weird because they've seen weird people in the church. You ever see a weird painting? 
Some of that modern art, people have got shoes in their mouths and two faces and they don't want to get weird. Some people turn their backs on God's brushstrokes. You ever see the back of a canvas? You can't paint on that. You can't, you know, that's not a receptive place to begin to create. People don't know where to start. What if I get serious about this Jesus thing? What's next? What am I going to be asked to do? What kind of a commitment is that going to mean? Let me tell you from a 72-year-old perspective. Your life, regardless if you're 16 or you're 56, wherever you fall in the spectrum of life that we walk in this earth, it's nothing compared to eternity we all faced afterwards. Jesus is wanting to give you that eternal life, and it starts when you open yourself to him. So the key to just receiving from God what he wants to give us, whether it's the first time you're going to do that or whether you've done that, but you, you see areas of your life where the canvas is turning blank again or it's getting smudged up and you need Jesus to come in now and you rededicate yourself to him, whatever, wherever you are in all that, the answer is the same. Trust God. Let me say it this way. Make room for Jesus to be the center of your life. Make room for Jesus to be the center of your life whether it's for the first time or it's again, he needs to be the center. I mean, truly the center where he is the fire of your heart, the wind in your sails, the reason why you live. And we sing a song like that. We sing other songs. And I've often wondered when we sing these songs, really? Do I believe that? Songs like, I surrender all. Really? Really? I've sung that, that, that phrase and like, do I? You're all I need. Don't need your phone. Don't need your credit card. Don't need your cat. Oh, okay. Fighting words, I'm sorry. <laughs> we have two cats. What are we singing? Hopefully what we're singing is this. This Father in heaven is how I want my life to be. Where Jesus is the center so that I can live this new creation life you've given me. Be the center. Be in charge. Jesus, be my Lord. I'll have the worship team come up. I'm going to ask you to stand if you can. And I'm going to ask you to just close your eyes. That way the team can get ready and you don't have to watch. But focus on Jesus right now. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, would you work today as we worship 
that you would work in our hearts. Lord, I'm asking that you would give people here today a tangible evidence internally upon them that you are working today in their hearts, in their lives, that you are calling them. Some of them, for the first time, calling them to receive your gift of salvation. Some of them are needing to say, Lord, be the center again. Be the center again. So Holy Spirit, come. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.